Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Neil Schaefer, an author of several books and an expert in helping innovative businesses digitally transform their sales and marketing. It's no secret that attracting new customers is getting harder due to disrupting marketing trends. And that includes declining television viewership, growing social media audiences, and higher usage of ad blocking technology. Neil explains how to be more effective through the power of influence marketing. Well, what does that mean? And what are best practices to identify, approach, and engage valuable influencers to help you get new clients and increase customer loyalty? You'll hear about this as well as the best leadership advice to apply wherever you work. I have one request. Please share this episode with others who can benefit. Subscribe to my show on your favorite podcast channels and leave me a review. It means so much. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Neil Schaefer. Welcome to the Doing CX Right Show. Hey, Stacy. Thanks for having me today. I am so glad you're here and the audience will soon know exactly why. But before we get into that, please share, what do you do professionally? Who are you? So I am a digital and social media marketing author, consultant, speaker, educator. Stacy. we met when uh, you attended one of the classes I taught at at Rutgers Business School in their mini social media MBA uh, marketing program. So I, you know, help businesses really make sense, uh, literally dollars and cents of digital social media. I've written a few books. My latest book, which is called The Age of Influence, uh, is all about influencer marketing. So I tend to get a lot of inquiries about that. But from my perspective, it's just really taking a holistic perspective of where customers can improve, or I should say where companies can improve their digital social. Um, I have companies reach out to me saying, oh, we need to do more influencer marketing. And I'll take a step back and say, you know what, For to reach your goal, maybe SEO is going to be the best approach. So I really enjoy the variety of work, uh, working with companies from various industries and helping them along the way. Why? What's your why around this passion? Yeah, I think that, you know, at the heart of it, I'm an educator. And my father was an elementary school teacher. He ended up creating his own uh, publication company, you know, helping teachers teach kids like elementary school age kids better. For me, I think it's a combination of this educator DNA, but also we were talking before we started that my background before social media is B2B sales. So I also like seeing the results of what I do. And in sales, every quarter, you literally see a result and you get paid an incentive on that result. And I really enjoy that. So uh, I think that working with clients and seeing the results, sometimes the results are in Google Analytics. Sometimes they're in you know uh, Facebook Insights uh, or whatever platform it is. I love seeing those results and seeing just the fruit uh, of, of my efforts. Love that. Now, what is something that many people might not know about you personally or professionally? Wow, I've been on a few podcasts where I've been asked that. So if everybody's listening to all those podcasts, it's hard to find another new secret, right? Um, I, I would say, you know, a lot of people 
that know me or have heard of me maybe have seen that I sometimes talk about Japan. On my Instagram, I talk a lot about Japan and、uh, I actually post both in English and Japanese.、Uh, what some of you may not know is I'm actually fluent. Before I learned Japanese, I actually learned Mandarin Chinese. So when I was in university, I, I went to a liberal arts college in Massachusetts. I was an Asian studies major and I,、uh, I did my junior abroad in Beijing, China. So、uh, it's Chinese is my first foreign language. Because social media is very different there, I don't really have the ability to use it professionally. I tend to use Japanese more. But yeah,、um, if we were to go to a Chinese restaurant, I could speak in Chinese and order in Chinese, what have you. <laughs> That is a very fun fact and very impressive because. I only know English, so that is super cool. So let's get to the heart of this conversation. We're going through unprecedented digital transformation, no secret there. And we know that it's getting harder to reach customers to buy our products and services, as well as keep current customers. So tell me your perspective. Why is it so hard? What, what's, what's the current issues? You, you sounded like a pastor in a church where it's getting harder to reach the customer, and everyone in the church is saying, Amen. You know,、um, I got that vibe because I think most marketers feel that. It's just the world has become overly digital, overly noisy, so much content, so many platforms. And I think the way that digital works is, you know, there's money to be made. And unfortunately, the people that are paying the money are the businesses.、Um, so, you know, businesses are finding it to be more expensive. The cost of acquisition of a new customer more expensive, advertising more expensive.、Uh, organically, it's just harder and harder to do things. And then you have these new privacy issues. You have GDPR, we have new Consumer uh, uh, Privacy Act here in California. So, you, and, and we have, you know, Apple shutting off. Uh, the ability to, to easily retarget、uh, or remarket、um, you know, across Facebook and what have you、uh, with iOS privacy. And, and Google is announcing new privacy things for the future. So I think that the way to reach customers is more complex today than it ever has been. More choices and more dilution in the market.、Um, harder to pick one that's really going to work. And therefore, this term omni channel. Is something that we've been talking about for a few years now. I think this digital acceleration that happened with COVID just makes it even more important. I mean, we, we have to be everywhere, it, it is vital.、Um, and it's more challenging to be everywhere. And it, it's even more challenging if you're a CMO or VP of marketing to show the impact of every single location、um, and to be able to correctly show、uh, attribution for all your spend. Um, you spend a lot on Google pay per click, but the last click might be an organic search where they search your company name and they click on it. So if you're not careful,、uh, it's really hard to see where、uh, your, your ROI is coming from. So that, there's,、mm-hmm. there's just a lot of different complexities. I think the companies that see beyond that, that understand today they need to be digitally active everywhere in order to constantly engage. Obviously, invest in the customer experience. I know we're going to talk a lot about that.、Uh, you know, I think those companies are the ones that are going to weather the storm. But for smaller businesses or businesses that don't invest enough in marketing,、uh, or maybe they just have a very, unless you show me the ROI, we can't invest more, it's very, very challenging. And you know, one of the reasons why I wrote The Age of Influence about influencer marketing is I do believe by collaborating with people, It is one way of getting heard through the noise. You don't have to worry about the decline of organic reach on social media platforms because people have the reach. You don't have to worry about people tuning out of advertisements 
because people tune in to content that comes from other people. You don't have to worry about humanizing your brand. Let other people talk for you. Let word of mouth humanize your brand. And let us not forget, and I'm going to become the pastor, the whole reason why businesses are in social media, the promise of social media marketing is viral word of mouth. But paid media does not give you viral word of mouth. It's only when people actually talk about you. And I know we're going to talk about it, Stacey. I'm really excited because there's there's a, a intersection between CX and influencer marketing. And in my book, I talk about how most marketers get influencer marketing wrong. They're just looking at follower count. And I introduce a brand affinity model, right? Who already knows, likes, and trusts your company? That's already out there that might even be talking about them. And those are your customers. I have clients that upload their customer database. They, you know, you, you can use appending tools and find Instagram profiles. They have verified influencers that are already their customers and they didn't know it and they've never engaged with them as that. So uh, th- that to me is this huge uh, area that anybody listening that is running marketing for their company should immediately be investing a little bit of time, investing in tools or help. But there is so much that can be leveraged right underneath your nose. And I would say the same for employees, employee advocacy, if you're a B2B company, especially. But these are two areas where you you collaborate and leverage the people that already know, like, and trust your brand is huge. And if there's one thing, I know we're fast forwarding, but if there's one thing everyone listening takes away, uh, it's that. So let's take a moment. You said a lot. Now I'm going to peel, peel the onion back a little bit. You mentioned that First of all, there's a lot of messages and it it can be confusing. So brands, whether big or small, actually have to have a very clear strategy and communication plan because if it is confusing, the customer will actually turn off. So with that said, to me, then it makes so much sense to put more emphasis on influencer marketing but let's talk about that. What does that really mean, influence marketing? What, in basic terms, what is that? I want to comment on the importance of branding. If we define branding, part of it is that it's consistent across platforms. So you're absolutely right. In an omni-channel experience, you have to be perceived as being the same regardless of channel. And, and that's a challenge when a TikTok is going to require you to have a slightly different voice than a LinkedIn, for instance, to take it to extremes. Um, so definitely that's a challenge. I think that with influencers, to me, it's it's very, very simple. You are leveraging the voice of others to move your marketing. I mean, it could be sales. There's a lot of different objectives, but you have a business objective and you are not in control of it. You are collaborating with other people to help carry that message forward. So in the case of an influencer, it could be someone with 10 million followers on Instagram. It could be an employee with 500 followers on LinkedIn. But the idea is that they are somehow going to talk about your business, your brand, and you are going to see the benefit of that, whether you measure it or not, whether it comes down to sales or word of mouth, whatever it is. And everything in between, there's this huge area of different social networks, different levels of influencers. But in a nutshell, it's just a different type of marketing where you are really trying to leverage word of mouth by directly engaging with others that have the ability to incite word of mouth because they're people and social media was made for people. And some people, even the influencer marketing industry defines a nano influencer as someone with a thousand followers. So there's a lot of people with a lot more influence than we might think that are out there on social media. 
So marketing and CX, they absolutely blend. And here's a perfect example of it from what you just spoke about. In in customer experience world, we're measuring how likely someone's going to recommend a brand, the traditional net promoter score. And there's many more scores. I'm just bringing up this one. We ask how likely you're going to recommend. And then they say a nine or 10. Yes, I'm going to recommend. And then what do businesses do? They say, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Instead of using that promoter, that advocate, and literally leveraging their voice as you as you talk about leveraging your customers to get new customers. It's so obvious, but it's not done enough. Stacy, it, it's so funny. I have companies reach out to me as an influencer. You know, we'll give you an, a lot in the, the marketing technology space. So we'll give you a free 30-day trial. And I'm thinking these are companies that are spending thousands, tens of thousands of dollars a month on paid media, yet they don't want to invest that money in people. They'd rather let Zuckerberg and others make money off them, right? Where they could offer product to people and perhaps get more impactful results. And that's a B2B. It could be the same as B2C. I mean, if I have influential customers that are always talking about me in social media, that are always generating word of mouth, why wouldn't I set them up with an Amazon monthly subscribe? Um, why wouldn't I send them product? Why wouldn't I send them 10, 20, $50 worth of product instead of spending $50 on an Instagram ad that gets X number of likes, but we don't know how that, you know, we don't, we don't know how that carries beyond that. So, you know, we always say in marketing, it's cheaper to invest in your current customer for more revenue than to invest in new customers, right? We talk about customer lifetime value as having this referral component and the net promoter scores related to that as well. Well, with social media, that allows us to get more viral. We we can scale that referral or, or people can. So everything just points in the direction that why aren't you collaborating more with your customer? Why aren't you investing more in people? This is how I end almost every presentation I do on influencer marketing today. Why aren't you investing in people and truly collaborating? And this is the the failure a lot of companies make with influencer marketing is they go, okay, we'll shift money from Facebook ads, but we're going to treat people like programmable ad units. And that's it doesn't work that way, right? So you need to give up a little bit of control, but it's truly investing in people. It's investing in relationships. It's investing in a true win-win collaboration. And I find, interestingly enough, that it's fewer marketers and more PR people that really get that. And maybe if you think of influencers being the media in digital media, um, then maybe that type of approach where it's not purely ROI driven, uh, there's there's other things at play there. Um, maybe that sort of approach works better. Instead of influencer marketing, you call it influencer relations. But clearly, I think there's so much more that can be done as you alluded to. And I wish more companies would wake up. Mm. It's a great quote. I'm going to have to use that. It's so true. So Neil, we're as we're talking about the importance of keeping the message, the omni-channel consistent and not confusing for customers and the importance of leveraging customers to help be advocates and get more customers because they're such they're so influential. One of the things I notice is that organizationally, you have marketing in one 
area. You've got communication departments in somewhere else. You've got customer experience in another. So when there's silos, that really hurts the experience. What is What are the type of things that leaders can do organizationally as well as other tactics to leverage this, what we're talking about, influential marketing? Yeah, and I, I would even go even further that for some organizations, performance marketing is a different team than the organic marketing. So um, we seem to be getting more siloed as, as time goes by. You know, I look at influencer marketing very similar to the beginning of social media marketing. And if we all turn the clock back, you know, 10, 12 years ago, companies were trying to figure it out. A lot of them had what you'd call a social media lead. Uh, There's some companies like Dell that had a VP of social media. We, we sort of laugh about it now. But after that, you know, companies realized every department needs to use social media to some extent. And that's where you began to have these social media centers of excellence. And everybody would basically, you know, tune in. There'd be someone that you could contact internally if you needed help, if you needed training. But everybody was sort of on the same page vis-a-vis what the company was going to be doing with social media. And I think with CX, and I'd say the same with working with influencers as well, I think we're back to that same point. And I'll give you a case study of my own. Um, Virgin Atlantic, when they just launched new routes in North America, this is, wow, like literally a decade ago, I was one of the influencers on Twitter that they invited up to Toronto to celebrate their new LAX Toronto nonstop service. And I remember this was through Clout. I don't even know how many of you remember this service, K-L-O-U-T. They contacted me. They said, hey, you know, please call customer service, you know. And when I called customer service, they didn't know what I was talking about. And this is a great example of influencer relations and customer service being out of sync and the negative impact it has on the people that you're trying to treat like royalty. So at some point, everybody has to get on the same page. And I think when you work with influencers that are also your customers, you really need to be careful. And I, I mean, I've said this with customer service for the last decade, that person that you're talking to, you know, one of the, the uh, initial examples of why companies need to be on social media is uh, someone named at Deuce, uh, Twitter. And she complained about her Maytag uh, washing machine. I don't know. I think her name is Heather Armstrong. She's a blogger, uh, a mommy blogger like out of Utah. And this went viral on Twitter, right? And it's because customer service just didn't treat her with respect. She was, you know, and, and she went to social media. And I think we, we still have that today and we need to be cognizant of that. So at some point, you know, I think it comes down to your CRM. Um, is everybody that you engage with, is it part of this database that everybody can tap into? That's just a real low-level technical thing that every company should be able to do. When people sign up for customer warranties, ask for their Twitter handle, ask for their Instagram handle. I, may, I know it may sound weird, but if there are some of your customers that are glad, happy to give that information, and it turns out they have 1,000 followers, 5,000 followers, they're talking about you, that's an invitation to engage with them on those platforms, right? So I, I think a lot of common sense when it came to social media, the same thing. But I think when it comes to influencer marketing, realizing these are people, some of them might be your customers, some might be your employees. I think a lot of, a little common sense, common sense can go a long way. So referral marketing is not new, and that's clearly a way to leverage your customers to get new customers. What else should people be thinking about or better than thinking doing? Well, I mean, loyalty programs 
is one way of rewarding. And then obviously as part of the loyalty program, once you've confirmed the brand affinity, offering them, you know, if if they refer, they get some incentive. Uh, sometimes that incentive comes down to what would be quasi affiliate marketing or actually comping people. Sometimes it's with free products, sometimes it's monetarily. Um, we see this in influencer marketing a lot where you'll give an influencer not just an affiliate marketing link, but you'll give them a discount code. Sometimes they're linked together so that they offer a, a bonus to their friends. Nobody wants to pitch friends on buying something, but it's like, hey, I can give you a 25% discount. Then that provides, it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for the company, for the customer, and for their friend. So these are very, very simple things that um, that companies can do to try to encourage this type of behavior amongst their customers. So now here's where the CX piece comes into that too, which is that if the brand doesn't make it easy for the affiliate marketer to get their compensation, to get the assets that they're going to use to help promote your brand, if it's not easy to redeem your loyalty points, all of that is an experience. So there you go. There's the blend of marketing and CX. Yeah, I have some companies where I signed up to the affiliate marketing program. There was no payout setting. I'm like, and, and like, oh, we haven't set it up yet. I'm like, why are you inviting me to do something where I don't know at what point I'm ever going to get paid? There's another where maybe they have a minimum payout. So until you hit like $100, you're never going to get paid, which depending on the product might take some time. And it's a, it's a disincentive versus if you said, well, once you hit $10, we're going to start to pay you. So little things like that do add up and they do you know, add to the image that we have of working with that company, or we'll send you, it, I mean, very similar. This is a little bit different, but there is a famous dress shirt company. And I happen to press on an ad, you know, three three of our, you know, best made dress shirts, $89, why not, right? And then in order to add a pocket on the left side, it was an extra $10 per shirt. It's like, are you kidding me? Um, so it's little things like that, that people talk about. It Actually, they talk about the details more than the standard offering, because why are you trying to nickel and dime me? Why are you trying to make it harder for me? Why are you trying to protect your brand or protect your profit at my expense? And I think, you know, um, I am not a CX expert by any means, but I do believe that every company listening should hire Stacy to do a customer experience audit. Put yourself in the shoes of a customer. What does their journey look like? And I think it could be so enlightening. I don't know why more companies don't do this, but I think it could be so enlightening to see what they have to face. And I think if you were to do that, you're going to find a lot of gaps, inevitably. Any company has them. And these are the gaps that can really turn people off. This is what, instead of a 10 net promoter scale, it's a nine, it's an eight, it's a seven because of these little things, right? And you know, I, I go back in history. I know we have the Ukraine incident going on right now, but I go back to when I was in college and the Berlin Wall was falling and my poli-sci professor was from Czech. Well, it was called Czechoslovakia at the time. And he goes, you know, I will tell you all one thing. People do not forget. People do not forget history. People do not forget little things, maybe negative experiences. And I would say that applies to brands as well. Well, in marketing, actually, people do remember bad advertising as well. Right, and it creates buzz. So there is this paradox. It, you know, you might lose customers, but boy, it does create the buzz. So you know, there is this fine line. 
Yeah, I mean, is all publicity, is bad publicity, you know, all publicity, good publicity, right? That's part of, and it depends on the brand. Some brands can get away with that, right? Definitely, yes. So coming to uh, near the end here, a couple last questions. One is, what's the best leadership advice you've been given or you have given others through your career? What stood out? Well, I'm going to, I'll mention two. One was in my B2B sales career where I worked for a company. We had a quarterly, I was based in Japan um, doing business in Asia. And uh, we had our, it was a Silicon Valley company. So we had our quarterly annual meeting, a quarterly meeting, sorry, in Silicon Valley at the headquarters. And the VP of business development said, and we were talking about the corporate strategy for the next year. And they said, look, part of a strategy isn't just deciding what to do, but what not to do. And that's really stuck with me because we often try to do so much instead of, you know what, let's start with the things that we're definitely not going to do. And that can often lead to better results. But vis-a-vis CX and vis-a-vis social media, digital influencer marketing, the best leadership advice is very, very simple. Lead by example. If you want your employees to be out there in social media, it starts with the top, right? And um, I'm sure that every leader, some may be listening and rolling their eyes, but it really is true. And I think that those organizations that have their leaders actually out there on the front lines, the employees don't have any excuses. And I think it builds this unique trust with their customers as well, that they can have a direct line of communication. Even if the, the leader is not directly managing that account, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's the perception, right? But I think that that really does you know, have a, a role in how we perceive a brand. I went to an Adobe summit in Las Vegas many moons ago before COVID and the CMO of T-Mobile or what's the CEO of T-Mobile was out there. And he's like, yeah, if you tweet at me, you know, we're going to give you a lifetime discount. Now it was only for new customers, which as an old T-Mobile customer, um, that was a negative experience for me, but for new customers, a very positive experience. But hey, it's him, you know, putting himself out there saying, hey, directly communicate with me. So there's good and bad, but but definitely good in, in that we can directly engage and that leader was actually encouraging us to engage with him. So that's a, a great example. Um, wh- how, what you do with that when you're speaking and promising discounts, I don't know if I'd go that far, but um, definitely just directly engaging with, with the public is a great thing to do. And look at this. You, here's influential marketing right in real time here because you're talking about T-Mobile and telling a story that happened a while ago. And now depending what you're saying about it and you're influential, it will have a brand impact. So this is this is in real time, the power of influence and non-paid media. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because that's one example. And I know that you used to work at Verizon and Verizon is very famous for having this like brand ambassador program and investing a lot of money and flying these ambassadors out to places. And I mean, I, I was never a Verizon customer. I was never invited to that, but just the CEO on stage at an influential event where a lot of marketers are um, talking in this way, the impact that has versus, you know, a a paid influencer brand ambassador program. It's an interesting sort of uh, comparison to make. Um, And it does show you how much influence, when I think of influencers internally, the CEO should be the most influential entity in your company of how much impact that can have. The bigger the company, obviously, the more impact, in this case, T-Mobile. So good. I I love that. I'm going to leave that as one of the key takeaways. And and my final question, more personally to you, 
Uh-oh. If you could go back in time to your 20-year-old self, based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell 20-year-old Neil? I would say to be more focused and more aggressive with my goals in life from a business perspective. I think when I began my career, I sort of accepted that it takes time to learn things. It takes time to get experience. But I think there were some points where I could have accelerated my professional growth if I had maybe moved companies, maybe um, been more aggressive in internally trying to do more work, or maybe just having more confidence that even at a young age, I could have done more in the role that I was in. So, you know, we talk about a glass ceiling for for women, for minorities. I sort of had my own glass ceiling that I, I internally created that I shouldn't have. I should have just immediately ignored it. So that would be, an, and if you feel the same way, then I encourage you um, to have more confidence and to, to do more because I think we can achieve so much when we have confidence. And, you know, for those that are in corporate roles, there is so much you can do. There is so much power you have in your role that you may not even realize. I think once you're at a corporate like I am, you realize that you don't have to worry about, you know, I, anything I want to do, I, I I need to have a budget for it, right? Um, so just something to think about that hopefully resonates with some of you. And we're all influential. Whether you realize it or not, we all have a story. We all have experiences. So... Gosh, we could have done the whole episode just on this topic. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Well, well, thank you so much for being here. And I know people will want to find you. And I'll put that in the show notes. Is your website the best place or or (laughs) all the social media, I imagine? Yeah, I am the real Neil. So it's N-E-A-L. And there's a few of Schaefer's of us out there, but it's spelled S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. And it's neilschafer.com and Neil Schaefer everywhere on the socials. That's the easiest way to find me. And I have my own podcast as well, the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast with Neil Schaefer. And Stacey will definitely have to have you on that podcast as well. Thank you so much. You're awesome. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.